Hey gang, welcome to episode 90 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. Um, 90th episode, this is uh, a big one for us. Um, I've, I've been struggling with how to convey uh, my excitement about the episode that we've got for you today. Um, so I'm just going to try and lay it out as, as cleanly as I can. Our guest today is Vicki Dobbs Beck, who is the executive in charge of ILM's X-Lab. ILM is Industrial Light and Magic. That's the special effects arm of Lucasfilm. Yes, that Lucasfilm, the one up in the Presidio, the one that makes Star Wars. The X-Lab is the division of ILM that's focused on the future. Um, and the future is immersive from the point of view of the X-Lab. Um, they've got some amazing stuff that they're working on. Um, those of you who have VR rigs, uh, and specifically who have Vives, you may have downloaded Trials on Tatooine, which is just a, a demo they put together last year. Uh, if you don't have it and you are lucky enough to live in Los Angeles, uh, the, um, IMAX VR site over across the street from the farmer's market slash Grove has trials on Tatooine. Let me tell you, you, you want to go play that and check it out. Uh, they, they were, there's going to be more on, on that when I do the proper setup of the show, but I'm, I'm so eager to get into the meat of this one that we're going to try and blast through the news and notes so we can get to the actual episode. So here we go. Here's the news and notes, the part of the show that always happens. Um, first up, I'm going to tell you, I'm organized today. So I put the links up for both the LA and the New York editions of the newsletter, the latest editions, which came out this past weekend, uh, and then Monday for New York. Uh, I put them up in our Twitter and F FB Facebook FB is what I call Facebook. <laughs> put it up in our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Yes, I'm kind of looking at my notes as I go, just trying to stay organized here. Um, so if if you go onto Facebook and type in No Persinium, or you're on Twitter with us and you go for No Persinium, you will be able to find links to the New York and LA editions of the newsletter, which has even more information than what I'm about to give you right now. Quick overview in Los Angeles, what's popping off this weekend. Uh, last night, I checked out Firelight over at the Stephanie Fury Studio Theater. I'll have a write-up on that next week, and I think I'm going to invite Stephanie and uh, and her cohort on the show relatively soon. Uh, the Have You Seen Jake finale is going off in an undisclosed location. Uh, it is an overnight. I'm going to be there this Sunday, um, somewhere up in the mountains. So if I don't make it back... Blame the Have You Seen Jake people, uh, because I'm putting myself into their care. Um, Fear is what we learned here is coming up next weekend. They're they're down here from San Francisco. Great chance to catch up with the gang at Screenshot, so I hope you take advantage of that. There's a really great review of Cavell, Annie Lesser's new show in the LA Weekly by Bill Radin, who's been such a champion of this work, of, of Annie's work specifically, and Immersive. Um, he's really our, our beachhead into the mainstream here. Remounts of the key and the axe from our speakeasy society. They're coming up on the way to get to the door in April. And hotel play is coming on at the end of the month. And, and that's just the stuff that I bothered to write down. There's even more going on. Uh, there's, uh, there's a site-specific drinking show uh, happening on Tuesday uh, down in the Arts District. Um, check the Facebook feeds for that as well, and the Twitter. Always check the Twitter. We all know how I feel about Facebook. Well, if you're new to the show, I don't like it. I'm on it all day, but I don't like it. Um, so I'm just like you. New York. Let's run down this really quickly. Uh, inside at uh, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, uh, which from the reading up I've done on it, it feels like it's an adaptation of a, of a certain story. Um, it's sold out right now, but there is a wait list, so you might want to check that out. Um, Dark Before Dawn, uh, which is taking place in a secret location uh, by the Myrtle Wyckoff LM station. Uh, that one previews this weekend and goes up next weekend. Uh, it's just one, one run. Here, the episodic, which is from Kelly Bartnick, uh, that one is uh, running right now, and it's getting reviews, getting notices, um, and, and that piece is going to be, 
like I said, episodic. So this is there's a whole branch here. We're going to talk about episodics later. Um, one that I'm really excited about, which I could make it out for, Performateria, which is going to be, um, it's a little mini festival from a bunch of different companies. That's taking place next week. Two dates next week in New York. Again, links for all of this stuff. Um, you go get into the newsletters from the Facebook and the Twitter and um, the new editions of San Francisco and Midwest editions. They are due out this weekend. We're going to do what we can to crank those through. So look for them Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They'll be hitting um, inboxes. Monday's the weekend now? Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, I'm taking it off because of the overnight thing. Um, <laughs> more up. Um, we've got some really fun stuff happening in the Slack channel. Um, I don't talk about the Slack channel all that often. I should. You guys should join uh, to do that. Just send me an email, noah at com. Today, the day this is going out, March 17th, the guys from FOMA Labs, Uriah and Anthony, they're joining us uh, to talk about immersive design. These guys are really experienced immersive designers, so this is going to be a great wonk fest. Get your questions in. Um, you know, Uriah worked on the Jejun Institute and on the Latitude. Anthony also worked on the Latitude with Uriah as part of the community. Um, there's a whole episode with them. Uh, like last year, you might, you know, check it out if you can't join for the AMA, but they're making a special announcement about their new show of Fuchsia Hotel during that AMA, four o'clock Pacific today, drop in, get your questions, read it, uh, send me an email. I'll try and get everyone in who, who listens to this. A lot of you will listen afterwards. You'll be able to check it out. Other links will go in places, um, after the AMA, but this is a one that is, is worth checking out. Uh, and if you're in Los Angeles or New York and you're you know trying to get a hold of tickets, like right when they go on sale, we drop stuff in the AMA and in the Slack channel and we make announcements. So you get little notifications going that way. Um, so if that's, if you're chasing tickets, which these days in LA is a thing because shows like sell out, boom, like that. Oh, reminding me the nest, which sold out, boom, like that here in LA, uh, they've extended. So here's a chance to get tickets for that before it goes. And that's the guys from Scott Expedition Co. See, not always organized. Hi, if it's your first episode. Yes, this is what it's always like. Actually, this is better than normal. Um, I'm also caffeinated. One last announcement before we get into the full setup for the show. Um, the Patreon. Uh, new backer, Dorian Frankel. Thank you, Dorian, for jumping on board the Patreon train. We're on a campaign to get to 100 backers. We're at 50 right now, so we're at that tipping point, right? And why is it important? Well, because the newsletter within a week will max out and we will be paying for MailChimp after that point. Yes, MailShrimp, MailKimp, Chimp, Chimp, whatever they want to call it. Those ads are terrible, so horrible horrifying, but the service is good. So horrifying ads, good service. Now we're paying for it. Uh, we've got the money to cover it, but of course squeezes in and there's lots of sort of evangelical work that we're, we're looking at these days. So everyone who can jump in and on this campaign to a hundred, I'm not asking for people to drop in more than a dollar. There are levels above a dollar. There's also the $10 level gets you access to consulting services and considering what the consulting services are going to wind up actually costing, um, pretty good deal. Um, if you've got questions about that, feel free to email me. I'll explain. Um, once we cross the $200 mark, we're going to unlock scheduled video hangouts. So the kind of stuff we've been doing in the Slack channel, uh, but with video and, uh, you know, kind of becoming even more internet-y as we go. Um, that's all the announcements. Oh, where to Patreon? Huh, duh. Patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you reach us there. Um, and we really, really, really do rely upon the community for support. Um, there wouldn't be a show if people hadn't jumped in on the Patreon in the first place, just so you know. Now, final setup here before we go into the interview proper. Um, the people at Lucasfilm were gracious enough because, look... We're a small operation, and the Empire doesn't really... Know. Okay, no no Lando quotes. Um, I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. This has been established several times on the show as I look longingly at my Kylo Ren coffee mug. Um, I just use it for storage. We, we put our bills in there. Um, 
True. I just told everyone what to, what to rob if they ever rob my house. That's great, Noah. Way to go. Um, I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. Going to Lucasfilm, um, it's 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 like my version of going to the Vatican, I guess, um, is what you could say. Um, I, I played it cool, as cool as I possibly could. Um, uh, and then, of course, I admitted I was a giant nerd. And they were like, that's fine. You can be a nerd here. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, they demoed uh, Trials for, uh, on Tatooine for me there. And let me tell you, um, this is what I can tell you about demoing Trials on Tatooine at the X-Lab. Um, you will never have a better experience in VR than in what they're rigged up in the testing room at Lucasfilm. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, and that's just using off-the-shelf components. Um, there is a moment in Trials on Tatooine when the Millennium Falcon like flies overhead, and they've rigged it up uh, so that um, a fan blows at you when that happens. And of course, it's just like a Vornado. It's like a totally standard fan. And the thing is, is you don't, you don't notice the fan when you walk in the room. So when it happens, you're like, what the hell is going on? Oh my God. Like taking that extra level of immersion. Um, Vicky Dobbs Beck is been with Lucasfilm for a very long time. Um, she'll tell her story. Um, and, uh, and I, and I don't want to steal any quotes. I was about to steal some quotes from her. Um, Vicky, as Brian Bishop of The Verge told me before I met her, she's one of us. She gets it. Um, this episode weighs pretty heavily on uh, the VR side of our interests here, for obvious reasons. The X-Lab is, you know, a technology company, first and foremost. The principle at the heart of this, which is about storytelling in immersive environments, is right here. We get down in it. This is a fantastic conversation. Um, I hope you take away what I took away from this. I'm going to let you listen, and I'll come back at the end of the show. For the folks who are listening, I mean, I would imagine everyone... Everyone knows what Lucasfilm is. If you don't, I don't know how you connect to a computer. It probably <laughs> comes before learning how to connect to a computer. Um, but I wondered if you could tell folks what you see the X-Lab as. I'll probably have done like a soft open to kind of explain the things that okay. are out there. But I'm really curious as to like how you see this very new division yep. of this company. Um, I think of ILMX Lab as Lucasfilm's immersive entertainment division. And our goal is to really innovate in storytelling on these emerging um, platforms, such as virtual reality, augmented reality, or you know, lots of people are calling it mixed reality now. Um, we've even done stuff on sort of the evolution of mobile, so iPad-based experiences. And... Um, we called it lab very consciously because this is such a new space that we knew we were going to have to experiment and we were going to try different things and some things were going to work and some things weren't. But, um, but we would learn from all of those experiences. And, but our goal really is to um, develop, produce, and release immersive entertainment experiences that we would then monetize. Well, and that's that idea that it's it's going to be released out there to the public and monetized. Like, um, I, I'm there's such a, a struggle in the VR world right now, in that people are looking at adoption rates and people yep. are trying to like, well, when is this going to cross over? And I know I was covering the VR scene pretty heavily for public media for a while there, and there was always pushback internally on this idea like well it's it's not really it's not a consumer product yet. Yeah. Is that something you guys hear like it's not a consumer or, or is it a different relationship? Uh, no, we we are very aware of the adoption rates. The adoption rates haven't been quite as um, fast as what people were hoping. But one of the things I have seen that's kind of exciting and this goes this speaks to the um, that we're interested in experiences going to the home to theaters. That could be a live theater or a um, you know a film theater or to public venues. It could be as big as a theme park or, or much smaller. And one of the things that um, has been really interesting in the last few months is the 
uh, number of VRCades that are popping up. Yeah. So that's actually, I think, a great trend because it's a way for people to um, experience VR, hopefully as high-end VR as they can, and um, without having to make the investment. Right. So that's actually been really interesting, and we had a project called Trials on Tatooine, um, which was a, a VR experiment. That actually we very consciously called it an experiment. We gave it away for free. In that case, we were trying to understand the balance between light story and interactivity in a first-person point of view because we had done some experimentation in third-person. Um, and But again, we just sort of put it out there on Steam for free. And we have had more inquiries than I can keep up with about having a um, commercial license to distribute in these kind of venues. It has been actually... Um, it's in the IMAX VR Center in LA right now, and right across the street from uh, the, the farmers gro- market. Yep, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, I stumbled in there because uh, I drove by it one day, and I was like, "What is that? Is that their offices, or is that? Well, let me see." And lo and behold, it was. Did you do any experiences? I did. Uh, there was. Um, they. 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 I went in saying, I want to do Trials on Tatooine. And they were like, oh, no, uh, do the do the Starbreeze one. Do, do the one with John Wick. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the John Wick. And and I got to hmm. admit they had set up. Well, and, and, and the sad thing is, is like, I was like, I kept on trying to go back and they kept on being sold out. I, I stumbled uh, there before they opened. I was like, oh, why'd they make me do this one? Um, and, and the Starbreeze just wasn't calibrated right, I think. It was, it was blurry, which was yeah. weird. And that helmet's interesting because, and I say the Starbreeze, and half my listeners are like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. But it's, for those who don't know, imagine, if you will, most, most VR is like you take an iPhone, you stick it in front of your face, and you put two lenses, and congratulations, you've got VR. The Starbreeze is you take two iPhones and you put it in front of your face. And that, it, it's a big difference just me with, like, move your eyes and not have to move your head but there's something there's something off about it and yet and and all I ever really wanted was just to either pilot an x-wing or or wield the lightsaber and and that's what you get to do in in VR these days have you done travel and tattooing I haven't done we will make sure you do that after this (laughs) guys the plan worked Um, everybody that's the end of the show it was a big You had to come a long way to do that, but... (laughs) I spent so much money on this, guys. I could have just spent 10 bucks at the IMAX VR. Don't be an idiot like me. Um, (laughs) But um, (laughs) now that our telemotes are cleared up... Well, but but here's the thing, though, right? Is like, I wondered, are are people here... Because there's so much stuff you guys are doing, like... I'm excited about how you're you're having the the filmmakers are able to access the technology. Yep. There was a, there's been some features about how it was used in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like I could feel those sort of things happening in some of those scenes because it just there was a a, a wonderful looseness to the effects work, uh, not in a sense of sloppiness, but in a sense of there's this camera f- vibes that I hadn't really felt before. So I could almost feel it coming through. But do you, do you kind of collectively feel this? any kind of like pressure because you have the keys to this kingdom to sort of be the ones to make the killer app like is like everyone's like looking like what's what's Lucasfilm gonna do will they will they make the thing that everyone has to have um yeah we feel a lot of pressure I mean I (laughs) wake up about one in the morning every night thinking about this in one form or another I think the way we want to do it is um so our specific area of focus is on um on sort of premium um, story-based experiences as distinct from, from games. Um, that's really hard because no one's done that yet. Yeah. So we've set ourselves a really ambitious goal with with the Vader VR story series. And um, we're really exploring what does episodic storytelling look like in VR. Um, so not only <laughs> do we feel a lot of pressure because it's obviously – um, we're very protective of the IP, um, but we're trying to, I mean, in some ways it's like the perfect IP because people associate Star, Star Wars with forward-looking, um, innovative um, storytelling. Yeah. So in that regard, it's it's perfect. But we also know that anything that has Star Wars on it is going to have a lot of expectations associated with it. Um, so we're we're sort of holding this you know, sort of protectively, a little loosely, as we try to explore and understand what that ultimate form will be. Well, one of the things that's interesting happening in in VR when it comes to the storytelling is 
the, there's there's a lot of discoveries being made in that 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 feeling of presence is tied to a sense of space and somehow not somehow but can kind of go against our normal linear storytelling thinking um, is that as as you guys plan this stuff out as you guys have been experimenting is is that what are you starting to kind of learn about this balance between storytelling and letting people to sort of breathe in the world? So that's a, actually a great point. And that is the very thing that we're um, trying to sort of explore what the best balance is between that. Um, there's no question that that the huge strength of VR is that sense of presence and in the, is that sense of presence in place. Um, it also gives you an incredible um, opportunity to have, inter- you know, sort of intimate um, interactions of one sort or another with characters in a place in a way you can't with film or television or any other medium. Um, so we have, um, we think of the place as the vessel in which story unfolds. Mm. And um, so we are trying to sort of understand right now like how much of it is directed and how much of it is discovered. Um, but I think that, um, I think that will, I think we're gonna discover that, th- that it's somewhere um, in between. Yeah. And you know, if we look out like way out into the future, you know, I actually believe that places like this will really ultimately become the vessel for all of our entertainment. So you will mm. live in, you will sort of live, is <laughs> in quotes, um, in a virtual world where events take place, stories unfold, you interact with friends. It's, it's you know, sort of the, um, the metaverse. Right. <laughs> so Star Wars would be a perfect um, place to, to do all of that, I, I kind of almost when it comes to when it comes to Star Wars or, or DC Comics is the other one for me. I almost have that like in my head as it is, um, not not to like denigrate and say like oh that's that's not, it's in some ways I can see like oh like finally the thing that's in my brain sort of you know is is pasted up there. Like yeah. I'm one of those nerds who like pours over the maps, you know, yep. forever and and kind of imagine what's going on in that corner over there. Or I'm always obsessed with what, you know what's the exact shape of Gotham City. Or, and and then the, the the timeline and the history of the place and this idea that there's distinct moments in this fictional narrative and and the joy is like knowing as much of the history yeah. and thinking of it as history of these places. Well, one of the things that um, one of the ways we think about um, VR is uh, in relation to film mm. is is that the films are in a way a portal into story that's revealed in VR. And so we're always going to try to design experiences that really leverage the, um, the power of the medium, in this case, um, VR. But if you think about it, um, so we see them as not duplicative, but enhancing one another. Right. And um, I think that that is going to be a really important thing. I, I mean, we're going to have to kind of show, not tell, yeah. eventually. But in the meantime, um, again, we look at that as we're not trying to be redundant with what's beautifully done in film. What we're trying to do is um, create a new experience that enriches and enhances the film experience. And um, to some extent, um, <laughs> Sorry, just lost my train of thought. Um, I think that, um, well, I, I know where I was going. You were just talking about sort of what you can do with VR and this idea of backstory and history, et cetera. Yeah. That's something that's really interesting to us, which is, because um, that is actually a good application of the, um, like, look at a place perhaps over time yeah. or learn about a character that you don't have enough um, time or it's just film is not the best way to understand uh, where they came from or why they do what they do. Or even just take a scene like like uh, the, the marketplace of, on Jeddah yeah. in, in Rogue One and just the five minutes before, the five minutes after. Exactly, you know, exactly, so extended. Yeah. We had an experience that was um, done actually for the iPad, and it was one of the very early experiences that um, ILMX Lab did. And 
it was rendered in real time. So if you, um, but we did a, like a 90, I think it was 90 seconds or so of a, um, you know, of a story that looks like film. You know, it has traditional cuts and everything in it. Um, when usually the way we play it is we show it and then we hit a button and then people realize oh that's all been rendered in real time <laughs> and now I can actually explore the world of that story yeah. so I've gotten a story and now I can explore that world and what was happening is is that there were three parallel storylines happening um, and so now once you you're in control of where you go at which point, um, then you will experience the story in a fundamentally new way. You will see what happened before and after the cut that was shown in the um, in the original story. That's that's a very similar process to what a participant at uh, Sleep No More mm-hmm. in New York experiences. You choosing which characters to follow, <laughs> exactly. or, or hanging on a space. Are you know? It's it seems on one level obvious you know, what parts of VR are getting inspired by filmmaking and what parts are getting inspired by gaming. I'm curious as to what other art forms the lab finds itself referencing all the time. Because as as I spill through VR things or as I listen to people talk about virtual reality, I'm always like getting echoes of other things. So I'm, I'm curious. Well, certainly live theater is, a, um, is an area because in so many she ways... She said it, guys. She said it. <laughs> You don't know what the bribe was for that, but she said, no, <laughs> <laughs> no bribe required. <laughs> we, we sort of, um, I think theater is probably the closest um, point of reference there is because, um, and, and almost theater in the round is, is really um, what you're looking at. There's a whole bunch of reasons why that's a, such a good reference point. But when you think about it, you think about even the making of, um, when you do, when you do film, you can make it in little tiny um, shots and s- small scenes, etc. When you perform theater, it is you know these actors have extended performances that mm. last over over time, um, and they have to be able to deliver that and deliver and sustain that performance over yeah. time. And sometimes, in some ways, it feels like that's in VR, yeah. right? Because you're not cutting in and out, you're not moving to um, to other, I mean, you could be sort of teleporting to other scenes, et cetera. But I just think really understanding what works in theater can really inform um, VR. I do actually think Sleep No More is a great um, is a great example of something that we have learned a lot from. Um, and I think it's about as close as it gets to what could be done in um, these sort of branching stories where this, they didn't nothing changes the story. Yeah. It's just how you experience that story. And that's kind of what we're, you know, I would say that's really what we're interested in. There's there's a lot of talk in, in VR about agency. And we do that a lot in the mm-hmm. immersive theater world too mm-hmm. and, and the interactive. And it, it's it's interesting because like I was, I was listening to, uh, there was a podcast episode where Kent Bai does the Voices of VR podcast. He's had, done like 500 episodes of this thing now. And he had Jessica Brillhart, who's the principal filmmaker for VR down at Google. And they were talking you know, pretty heavily about agency at the moment. And, and I started to think about, particularly in the context of something like Sleep No More or, or a passive 360 video type VR, that because that part of agency is removed, you're you're put into a mode that's more receptive, and and maybe that's even a better channel for getting into a character's head or or, or creating empathy between the the participant and the people in the story, because suddenly your the active thing you are required to do is pay attention and right. not think about well how am I going to change this, you know. Well, definitely as um, storytellers and, you know, working with great filmmakers and writers and so forth, we are quite um, uh, attached (laughs) to, you know, the work of a master storyteller. So I think what you're describing is a way to um, present the vision of a master storyteller and yet allow the the user, the visitor, whatever you want to call them, um, different ways to engage with that story yeah. um, because it still was a big vision it was still a you know a storyteller's vision of what that world is that you're being led into the other thing that really interests me because I'm actually not a gamer so um, but I'm 
I'm absolutely, you know, taken with this medium. And I believe there's an opportunity, I think, that what you're getting at with theater and so forth is the way that um, it will really uh, essentially engage an entirely new audience mm. that isn't so much a gamer audience, yeah. but is someone who just loves indulging in story, whether yeah. that's, you know, um, actively participating in it, passively participating, and there may be, there may actually be, you know, different modes. You could imagine that too, where um, some people may choose or prefer to participate in a more um, passive way and sort of enjoy it that way, whereas others may want to be more active in the story. So, you know, that's another thing that is sort of, I can see people exploring We Are Too about, yeah. you know, those different ways of, um, that people can engage. But I would love to see a new audience grow that, I that are story lovers, yeah. <laughs> really, as opposed to nece necessarily just, um, you know, people who love games. Well, I, I mean, think... I always think if there's a, a Muriel Rusk Ruskier poem, it's it's a lot longer. I first saw it on a, on a, on a bus here in San Francisco, like part of it, and, and it goes, I'm trying to remember the name of the poem, but the, the line that always stuck, stuck with me is, uh, time comes into it, say it, say it, the universe is made of stories, not of atoms. And the, it just seemed that there's something fundamentally human to the act of storytelling and story listening. And I think so much attention gets put on agency, and I'm and yeah. I'm a person who talks a lot about agency, yep. and I, and I, it's it's such an important um, tool in the in the palette. But I almost feel like people put so much emphasis on it, they forget the power of attending and the power yeah. and and the necessary role we play in other people's lives by by listening to their stories. It was, I just did a talk last week um, up in Vancouver on the innovation in storytelling um, as it related to immersive entertainment. And um, I was, you know, I sort of started my talk by saying, why does innovation in storytelling even matter? Mm -hmm. And um, I love to quote um, Ursula K. Le Guin, who said that there have been great societies that did not use the wheel, but there have been no societies that did not tell stories. And so it, you really, I, to me, that encapsulates this, this idea that stories are as much a part of us as life itself. Yeah. And, and it matters. Yeah. Um, so I think the, both of those quotes kind of go to the <laughs> same, same place. Um, I want to roll back a little bit because you were talking about performance in 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 this setup. Um, are you are you finding? And, and I know that the labs worked with mocap uh, translating to live, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, but also, but I'm wondering, like, are you as you're as you're working with? Are, are you guys working with live performers as part of this? And we're not like live, like in the moment, but. Yeah, are you working with actors, or is it mostly animated at the moment? Is it for, is where I want to start? Um, well, definitely, when we're capturing mocap, um, it's actors, okay. um, and we have been experimenting in immersive broadcast, um, where you have a live actor, and then you, um, you know, they're driving some sort of of character, etc. Um, so that's, uh, there's a lot of places all of that could go. And then, of course, we're also looking at virtual humans and other things like that. Well, th the reason I want to ask about actors is because, like, one of my own, one of the things I, I never really bust out on the show in any way, shape, or form is I'm really obsessed with this idea of what this technology is going to do to the craft of acting in terms of, like, the demands it's making on, on those performers. So I wonder if you could, like, put your, your strategic yeah. hat on here and... And do you see, do you see like a, a different breed of, of actor sort of being summoned into being because of this idea of there's this intimacy and at the same time there's this persistence because it's not like you just got to do this for a minute and cut. Well, I, this is why I was saying I do think um, actors who are um, perform in live theater maybe the best suited um, actors for this kind of medium because of that sort of extended performance and um, because it is it, it is a very intimate um, performance you know in in a theater you really are connecting directly with the audience so I, I think that there's um, something there the other thing is I would say that um, 
and this is actually true more generally of mocap, is is that some some um, actors are just more comfortable doing mocap performances <laughs> than others, right? And yeah. it's not a, really a statement about their acting abilities. Just some are more comfortable, right. and therefore the performances that they deliver are more compelling. I think we've also all seen video of Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, playing smog and he's very comfortable <laughs> in mocap. <laughs> exactly. You know, but and there's and there's something sort of I got to imagine it's been a while since I've been a performer but I there's something kind of freeing about the mocap suit and and knowing that it's you know I don't know f- not so much like oh the flaws can be corrected but it, it 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 always looks like people doing mask work in theater to me where it just suddenly becomes Bigger, like there's a con- they, they connect with their body in a more conscious way, and, and suddenly are driving it in, in, in odd directions. It, c- it could be. Yeah. What? Um, what's? I'll, I'll have a couple more questions here, I and mean, these are just top of mind. What's exciting you in in this immersive space right now? I mean, we, we've we've hit this moment where the home stuff is is starting to kind of have a character of its own, and the the VRcades is is a thing, kind of like, at last. Uh, are, are those the primary things, or is there, there other stuff out there that's kind of really showing? Well, I think, you know, what excites me, I mean, it's really funny, because I, I feel like I've been at this company for 26 years, and um, very early in my career with Lucasfilm um, was my other favorite time of all. Now is one. Mm. <laughs> and and the other favorite time, I was running a small group called Lucasfilm Learning. And we were doing um, interactive multimedia for education. But it was so many similar things, story-based. Um, it was still valuing high high fidelity you imagery. Habitat was that you guys? No, that Habitat was part of okay. um, LucasArts, uh, and that was actually about the same time. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, but to d- to deliver this kind of experience, we had to use a um, computer driven laser disc player, <laughs> <laughs> which many people don't even know what that is anymore. This is pre CD ROM, but I feel like, but I loved this idea of of bringing together. Um, interactive design and more filmic, you know, cinematic kind of content. And we were just so far ahead of the technology. You know, we used a, a, a solution that was available at the time, but I feel like we've now come to a place where those two are possible in a single device like VR. Yeah. So I'm extremely excited about what the potential is. And I sort of am really interested in where this is going probably, um, you know, five to eight to ten years from now, along the lines of what I was describing, where, um, you know, everything has become powerful enough that you can actually host a living world. And in that living world, where you really feel like you're there, it's not, you know, it's not like doing it on your phone or on your computer. This is like you, you are there and you're able to interact with the world in a very intuitive, natural way. Like you can pick things up, et cetera. Um, Of course, you can be whoever you want in that world, I suppose. Um, but things happen in that world. And, and that's why I was saying earlier that I, I love this idea that your entertainment, your films, your television, et cetera, could, could unfold in that world. Um, or there's this idea of discovering story in that world. Mm. There could be events. It'll be a huge social kind of platform. So everything that we're doing, I think, points us eventually toward that kind of direction. We're also really interested. So that would be kind of a... Um, that would be more of a, a home kind of experience, right? right? We're also really interested in what can you do when you control 100% of the environment, like you can yeah. in a theme park, yeah. where you can literally invoke all five senses if you, if you choose. And, um, and I actually think those two visions, what can you do in a space and what can you do in the home, also can have connective tissue so that that experience... Um, doesn't necessarily stop um, when you leave your home. You leave the theme park. You're able to sort of go back and forth between those um, th- those worlds. That's th- that idea of whether it's the theme park or the local edition of the theme park is something I keep on coming back to, yep. and and really was going to be part of my follow up, which was 
you know, are you guys looking at non-digital tools for this kind of immersive work? Well, I think that the um, you know one of the things that's quite interesting is I'm sure you're familiar with the void um, yeah. is where you have a physical representation of something that you've created in the digital world. It's those that combination of physical and virtual. Um, that I think is incredibly compelling because now you've sort of taken VR to a new level where um, you're, you, you, as if you didn't believe it before, you believe like you are really yeah. there. Well, I remember the first time I, I put uh, the Oculus on and it was like E3 2013 or something and it was upstairs in the CCP booth and they were showing what would become Eve Valkyrie, mm-hmm. which of course you're, you're in a you're in basically like you know a knockoff X-wing right. or, or a Viper you know cockpit depending on which space fantasy you know you were thinking of that day. And I remember putting the the mask on and it, looking down at, at a virtual body and being oh my, and then instantly raising my hand up and of course the hand did not track and right. I was like okay uh-huh. still not there yet. And then so many times having that sense like once once we had the hand controllers like with yeah. the Vive like suddenly there's like you, you, it's almost like we're interacting with this other world through a gauzy membrane That's and, right. and every six months or so the membrane between worlds gets a little thinner yep. but the void which I haven't had a chance to do yet seems like the most sensible way of just dealing with it. It's like, oh, um, you pick up a, a lifesaver on the table. Well, guess what? They're going to put a lifesaver on the table. There are lifesavers on the table, guys. That's why I thought of that. I'm not hungry or anything <laughs> weird for mints, although I'm keeping this because I think this is going to be tasty. Um, you know, and then you get the crinkle and, and yep. go from there. Um, it's almost like cheating. You know, it's like, it, but better that than like, all right, we've got this haptic glove figured out. Like yeah. you can spend nine years making a haptic glove or you can just put a bowl of lifesavers on the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what's been interesting? So Trials on Tatooine only requires one um, controller, mm. and we really minimized the um, the buttons or triggers that you have to use. Um, because, again, we were trying to uh, reach a really, you know, people who were doing this for the first time, yeah. who are not gamers, who are not familiar with controllers like me. Um, and... There's points at which you have to reach up and pull something down, mm. um, and people inevitably they so they have their hand, you know, their free hand, yeah. and then their controller hand. Well, you obviously you have to pull you have to pull it down with the controller, um, but y- you'd be shocked how many people will reach up with their real hand yeah. because they know they've got something in their <laughs> hand, and so um, the day that it becomes where you can really see your hand and your hand can be the thing that is actually the, you know, is the interface, so to speak. Um, I think that's going to be, that membrane is going to really be thin. (laughs) And I'm almost surprised at how fast we've gotten to where we have gone, because I remember in, like, 13, talking with one of my my friends who was an Imagineer, really great experience designer. She was one of the people who did the Jejun Institute, which Mm. I don't know, you might know, it was this weird thing in San Francisco Mm. a few years back. And we were talking, and she was like, I don't know my way around a controller. Like, like this right. isn't going to be interesting to me until it's not on a controller. And it, I, who know my way around a controller blindfolded, was like, oh, that's why this is working so easily for me. I literally can close my eyes and use an Xbox controller, which is what you're doing when you've got one of these masks on. You know, and I've been training myself to do that for a long time, but, but most people you know, don't have that. So it's, it needs to be as intuitive. It needs to be just... Well, so actually, somebody was showing me an experience and they and it was basically an a Xbox-like controller. And, um, of course, I can't see the controller. Yeah. So they put the put it in my lap yeah. and, and then they were like... Because I, I literally didn't know how it worked, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, and so they're like, um, nope. No, push the button on the right, and I'm like looking down. <laughs> I'm like, I can't see where the button on the right is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's and then on the flip side of that, like the most genius thing that happens in in, in some of the the headsets now is that you you see a, a ghost version of the controller. Yeah, and you're you're totally aware. Yeah, and the first time that happened, I was like, oh wow, yeah. Suddenly, it's gotten a lot easier. Yeah. Um, Vicky, is there is there anything for for people who are out there who are exploring this space? Um, and, and particularly if it's if it's if it's people in, in that theater space, kind of looking and trying to be like, well, where where do where where does all this fit in? Where is this VR thing going to fit into the, the big picture? And I uh, will probably end on that note. 
Yeah, that, I mean, I think that that's a. Um, we've already talked about the importance of that kind of performance. So for yeah. people who perform in theater, that's certainly one thing. I do think we're going to have very augmented theater um, performances down the road, and I think so. One of the things that I do believe is true, and I just don't know how far out you have to look in order for this to be true, is that we're we're eventually going to have a single device that can deliver all shades of reality. So everything from the real world all the way, if you turn you know if you turned up the dial to a hundred, you're in a virtual world. When you have those all shades of reality, I think it is going to be um, extremely interesting in the live theater space mm. because. Um, you can envision all kinds of things being done to the actual space itself that is a mix of virtual and physical, like sets and things. You could imagine, um, you know, broadcast character performances, live live performances, but of a character that doesn't look like the actor. Yeah. Um, and you could take people all the way to a virtual world and presumably in a virtual world that they can participate with the other people in the theater. Um, so I think that 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 idea of moving toward a, um, call it whatever you want, you know, live event or a live performance, et cetera, um, where you have a device that's delivering all shades of reality, I think will sort of be the ultimate. And then layer on top of that, um, you know, invoking the other senses, you know, smell, taste, um, you know, the physical, the literally the physical world as yeah. well. I think that's, that's going to be magic. All right. Vicki, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. It's lovely. All right. Once again, I want to thank Vicki Dobbs back and indeed the entire team at the ILMX Lab uh, for being on our show today. It means a lot to us. You can follow the X Lab on Twitter at ILMX Lab on Twitter. Well, that's really, really simple. Um, I just wanted to close out before I do the, the, the regular rundown of how to get a hold of, of us and everything. Um, this moment we're in right now where VR side of immersive is starting to open up and reach more and more people and start to really explore not just the technical limits of this technology, but the storytelling and the empathetic and the connective limits of the technology. Um, it's a, it's a really, really critical moment. And as those of you who listen to the show a lot know, I firmly believe that immersive isn't just performative. It isn't just technological. This thing of ours transcends um, both the virtual digital side and the theater side and is is bigger it is a, it is a sum of these parts the techniques that are developed in one are applicable to the other the way people talk about one is applicable to the other there is so much for the artists and craftspeople on both sides of the digital immersive divide to learn from each other and i hope that this moment uh, in particular uh, is can act as a transom for us, a doorway between these two worlds. Um, I sound like some weird mystic because I am. Um, there's a great episode of Kent Buys Voices of VR podcast um, where he talks with Jessica Brillhart of Google. Mentioned that a little bit in this show, I believe. Um, and uh, in that one, Kent you know lays down sort of his formula derived from natural philosophy about talking about presence. And let me tell you, it is incredibly useful. Um, and indeed, uh, one of my goals is to seek out Kent and, and get him on the show. Um, we're going to be diving more and more into the breach here between the physical and the digital as the year goes on. Um, we're going to get wonkier 
on the immersive theater side. We're going to be talking to artists, you know, at every level of the process. There's plenty of places to go from this moment. But right now, I just wanted to, in the dorkiest way possible, say, hey, this thing, this thing is real. Uh, It's not going away. Immersive is not a fad. Um, And it's also maybe not what anyone actually thinks it is right now. Um, It's just starting. And thank you for being here with us. And um, for those of you who are joining for the first time, um, welcome to the show. Welcome to, uh, you know, something that feels a lot like the future. All right. Um, And on that completely megalomaniacal note, let's tell you how to find us. Um, You can contact us uh, at nopersinium.com. That's the website. You can find all the the links to everything there. Um, At nopersinium on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. No, wait, I was about to give the old email address. Now the email address is Noah at nopersinium.com. That's where you send us tips on shows, uh, notes, you know, if you find a VR arcade somewhere and you want to tell us about it, uh, you find an awesome escape room that everyone needs to know about, anything like that, send that to Noah at nopersinium.com. And particularly if you've got an immersive theater show that you need to get word out on, because like we are, we are your champions for that. Uh, we're always going to be here for that. The Patreon is patreon.com slash nopersinium. Our medium collection this is where we put our reviews, our features, um, our make a night of it guides for shows. Uh, medium.com slash no dash proscenium. Our Slack channel is always on. Send us an email, noah at noproscenium.com to get involved in that. The music for this episode is by the most excellent Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Thank you again, Chris, for being our craftsman on that. And yeah, um, this is episode 90. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if this was your first time here, uh, don't talk about the show. No. Um, if this was your first time here, please talk about the show. Um, tell a friend, share it with someone. Um, and yeah, that's it for now. Uh, next week on the show, I haven't decided yet. So there. <laughs> we do have a lot coming up. And I'm looking forward to sharing all of it with you. Got a lot of shows coming on the road, and I'll be at them. So, until next week, until then, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>